Welcome to the Chronicles of She. I'm Taylor Cathy, and tonight's topic is on domestic violence, titled The Chronicles of Vindicated Voices, a three-part series on stories of men and women who have survived domestic abuse and are here to tell their stories. Our first guest is Janine Hall. Now, Janine is a radio DJ, poet, advocate, a survivor of domestic violence, and owner of a nonprofit agency called Purple Pieces. The purpose of Purple Pieces organization is to empower women who have been affected by domestic violence. When Janine started Purple Pieces, she had just gotten out of a domestic violent relationship and she wanted to give back to other survivors. By doing that, she created a plan for Purple Pieces to help rescue men and women in domestic violence situations and provide them with safety, shelter, and clothing. Since 2015, the organization has saved numerous men and women from toxic relationships. Today, she is an active in her community and is here tonight to tell her story about life beyond abuse in her documentary, The Janine Hall Story. Her testimony for all of you going out here tonight is, I want the world to know that I would not stop until everyone in the world knows that he may have beaten me down, but he made my soul stronger. Ladies and gentlemen, please to welcome... Janine Hall. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining us. No problem, no problem. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing pretty good. Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, now. Well, it's great to have you on the line. Thank you so much for coming to the Chronicles of Shoe to tell your story. Now, why don't you tell your guests a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Ed Janine Hall. Many people call me Nina. Uh, I am a poet. I'm a playwright. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a web designer. I'm a DJ. But most of all, I am a domestic violence survivor. That's a little bit yes. about me. Yes, yes. Yes, indeed. Mm, mm, mm. Now, Miss Nina, coming on here is such an honor to be in the presence of you to tell your story of how you survived one of the most hardest things that anybody can go through, and and that you're allowed to tell your story. So, why don't you tell us about your story of domestic violence? Tell us. Well, I was um, in a three-year relationship, and uh, for the first two years of the relationship, everything was fine. Um, the only thing that he lied to me about was his age. Um, he told me he was 24, to come to find out he was only 20, so he had lied about his age. But by the time he had told me about that, it was too late because we were already, you know, kind of deep in a relationship. Uh-huh. So it was kind of too late. So I kind of brushed it off, looked at it, and I was like, mm, it's nothing but eight. Mm-hmm. Kept going with the relationship. So like I said, the first two years when we were together, it was actually, it wasn't bad at all. I, just, I cannot say that it was because it wasn't. Uh, he showed no signs of domestic violence or no signs of being violent or anything like that because he was just like super nice, super cool. We just had fun together for the first two years. Mm. But the third year in our relationship, it was just like 
different things that you can just think of to do to people, honestly. And it was like, he was the type of person that, you know, if he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it exactly the way he did it, exactly, exactly what. Um, so I couldn't figure out, like, what was wrong because he went from this such nice, great guy to this, like, monster. Like, you know, uh, he went from pistol whooping me every day to stabbing me over 23 times to beating me all in the south side, shooting at me, thank God he missed. Uh, just all types of, like, mean, evil, cruel stuff. And so I went on for a year. I lost jobs because of him and everything. So I was in Atlanta. Oh, and, my uh, gosh. I, I didn't have, like, any family members around me. I just, this was me. And so I had started paper trails. I had called uh, the police to try to get them to take him away. But the only thing they would do when they come is they would tell me, like, you would have to get up with that building manager, basically to have my building manager evict him, like, you know, if I was getting evicted. Because once you were somebody for 30 days, they established residency. So they was like, you have to go to your building manager to let them evict them because there's nothing we can do. <laughs> so that didn't help. And then, uh, you know, if they do take so them away, they'll just be like. So basically, you were I'm a prisoner sorry. in your own home. You were in a you were a prisoner in your own home. Pretty much. Because I, I used to uh, wonder, like, what is it? Do they want me to die before something mm-hmm. happens? You know, so that's, that was the way I was starting to feel. And then uh, another thing is, like, if they do take them away, you know, up here, they come and get somebody, they probably going to take them away for, like, 72 hours, three days, at least three days to give you time if you need to get away or something. Mm-hmm. You got three days to do what you got to do. But down there, they was just like, oh, well, is this somewhere that you can go, you know, to kind of calm down, and then you guys can come back together later. I'm like, no, take him away. Don't take him and bring him back. Take him away. So it came to that. And then another thing, like in, in Georgia during the time when I was down there, if you were somebody for over six months, uh, it was considered like common law marriage uh, during that time. So really? it just was like a lot of stuff, yeah, that was like going against me. And I'm trying to, you know, get... Mm-hmm you know, get him away from me. And then I called the National Domestic Violence Hotline. I mean, not trying to take anything away from them, but they were just asking me questions that I felt like, I don't have time to answer your questions. I just, I need to, I need help and I need to get away now. You know what I mean? So exactly. it was just like, exactly. like what, what, do, what do I do? You know, what, what do I do from here? So I ended up going, I ended up going, telling my supervisor, because he came up to my job one day threatening my supervisor with a bat, trying to hit the man, hurt the man. So I ended up losing my job, but I was, before they, I lost my job, I was trying to tell them what happened, so they ended up giving me my job back, because they understood. So, you know, they were just afraid, which I understand, but I ended up telling them what happened, and I, I, had, I was doing collections at the time, so I said, if I make enough money, I'm going to go and get my, go buy me a car on my lunch break, and I'm leaving everything behind because I was to the point where if I don't get away from him, I am going to end up there, and then nobody's going to know because I'm not, you know, I'm not around my family. I'm just around him and his family, mm-hmm. so nobody's going to know. 
So I ended up making enough money. I went on my lunch break, bought me a purple 96 Lumina. I drove all the way to Chicago, did not look back. I left everything there. So I want to say maybe like two weeks later, I was going down my mom's parking lot, and I just heard somebody say, Lumina. But I ain't paying no attention. I'm steady walking and stuff. You know, I'm looking around. I don't see nobody. So all of a sudden, I heard it again. This time, it was closer. I looked around, and it was him. He had, I forgot my mother used to send me said X packages. But what he did was he tore the address off of one of the care package boxes that she sent to me, get on the Greyhound, Manny with his country self, have never been to Chicago a day in his life, but he came that time and saw me that day. And so uh, he ran and like, I'm trying to run and hurry up. And it was almost like a movie, I promise you, because I was like trying to get my keys. They kept falling, they fumbling, I couldn't get them right. Well, finally he caught up behind me and took a gun out and stuck it to my back and said, if I don't go in the house and tell my mother that I lied about him, that he was going to kill me and her. At the time, I really wasn't thinking mm. about myself. I just want to make sure mama okay. So I went into the house, told my mother that I lied about him, and uh, she, you know, got mad and was like, you know what? All right, forget this SHIT. If you y'all, if y'all don't do what I tell y'all to do, and it's gonna be a crime scene up in here and all types of crazy stuff. So I just told my mother I lied about him and. He's not as bad as I said he was and everything. Just because I didn't want, you know, neither one because I didn't, you know, to get hurt. So, right. That was that for maybe right. like a couple of days later. My mother had left. And I can't remember where she went, but my mother had left. And he literally forced me. He was over this gun again. He forced me and made me get into the car. We drove off and drove all the way back to Atlanta. And I got back to Atlanta. That man beat me so bad that his mother came outside and tried to help. So we both fighting him, and he fighting me and his mother. And of course, naturally, when the police came, he ain't nowhere around. He had ran. And so I stayed, ended up staying at her house for a couple of days, and I went to um, went back home because I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to go and grab some of my important papers, you know, to take back to Chicago with me. And she was like, you gonna be okay? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be okay. Cause he was cheating on me at the time. And I said, well, he probably over to Wanda house. That was the girl. I said, he probably over her house. She's probably not nowhere around. So I think I'll be okay. So I went back to my house to get my important papers. Man, not knowing if this, he was literally up in the house. I guess he was probably still waiting on me. She probably was saying, I guess she's going to come eventually because all her stuff here, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when I was like, when I went into my house and my, the way my my apartment was set up, you got to go through the kitchen to the past the bathroom and get to my room. So I walked past the bathroom and then it was just like all of a sudden I just felt like a pressure on my neck. And she was behind me, like strangling me and we both still like on the side of my bed and he's steady like we on the ground he still got my his hands behind my neck and he strangled me and I just can remember like going in and out of conscious. Right. And the last thing I remember was I like literally like I remember my body taking this last weight. That's the last thing I remember. Like the kids say doing number one and number two on myself at the same time. That was the last thing I remember. And then when I woke up I was like in the ambulance and they were asking me to all okay. I don't know how long I was out, but I know 
I had, you know, passed away and came back to life. So, I said, God is good. I'm here today. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm telling my story. I'm here to save others and just, you know, make sure everything's okay. But I ended up moving back to Chicago. Um, and they called me from Columbus, Ohio. And I was wondering, like, what the hell is Columbus, Ohio want to do with me? So he had moved to Columbus, Ohio with his dad and come to find out he was dating this other young lady and beat her and she sent them to jail. But they knew that she was not going to press charges so she was going to drop the charges. So they were saying that the case against me was still open. So um, I went down there and testified and everything against him. And they ended up giving him 15 years. so he served, you know, served the, uh, the 15 years and, and everything. So, yeah, like I said, he actually got out this year. Oh, and, no, not, not not this year, sweetheart. Not this year, my bad. Oh, J- July of 2018, he got out. But he, uh, he, uh, well, I found out that because they were keeping me posted on when he was getting mm-hmm. out and everything, so I knew. And what happened was when he first got in, in jail, he was trying to contact me. Mm-mm. I put you in there. You think I want to talk to you? You think I want to talk to you? So I called in the jail, and I told them what happened. And from that day I called, he never called, contacted me again. I don't know what they did or what they said, but I tell you what, he never contacted me again. So, uh, so yeah, he's out, and and come to find out, like I had, you know, got friends with one of the ladies that was in there, and come to find out, some lady, some poor lady, I don't even know who she is. God bless her soul. I guess had married him while she was out. He was in jail or something. So, <laughs> but all I can say is God bless her, and I, I just pray for her every day. Whoever she is, I just pray for her every day. And that's yeah, that's pretty much my story. Pretty much my story. Okay. Woo! Oh my goodness. Oh. Listening to your story, I, I'm hearing, I got a clear cut picture of what was going on. Just everything from you, like getting with him, and then him turning into a full blown beast, him beating you, you trying to get away from him, the running, the dropping the keys, passing out in the ambulance, the calling. Oh my goodness, this, this weaves a movie. It's almost like Fatal Attraction, but it's, but the roles are reversed. It's the man who's, who's doing the crazy crap. Oh my goodness gracious. And, and in Atlanta, they considered that a common law marriage for six months. Six months? Oh, come on. No. There is no way. Oh, First off, you didn't have no ring, you didn't have no contract. The police were basically acting like you were his property. Like, okay, just chill out for a couple hours and get back together. No. First of all, this see, this is how women and men get killed. When you do not take the situation seriously enough, 24 hours later, they're dead. There's no talking this over. There is no talking this over.
disemboweled for her because this man, this man's going to kill her. This man is really, he's crazy. This, okay, your story leads to the same situation that my, my aunt was in because actually she had a, she had a man that, like this who was trying to kill her. She, they have a child together and he, he was beating her and all this stuff until one day he, she went, she came back from dropping off her two, her two oldest children and he got mad at her because she had to go see her ex. Like, First off, I have to, which means I have to deal with my ex. What do you want me to do? There's nothing I can do, so you need to get out of my face. And right. that, well, that's not really the conversation, but I think that's how it went. But he was acting strange all day, and he made threats like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill our child, I'm going to kill all of us in here. And she said, stop playing around. So he always made this threat, and it was always empty. But today, that day, it was different. It was really different. So after she made that threat, she stayed in the bedroom all day with their daughter, and they slept. Didn't come out only to get. They only came out to get food. Next day, some she went downstairs to get everything ready for for breakfast, and they have the shoes lined up against the against the stove, and all the shoelaces are gone, and. Red flag number one, shoelaces are gone. She's wondering where he is. That's when she hears footsteps in the laundry room. And she goes in, she sees this guy making nooses. Three of them. For her, their daughters, and him. And she, she immediately ran to her daughter's bedroom, grabbed her. Didn't have nothing on but a white beater and some shorts. Baby's only wearing a diaper. Gets in the car and he's chasing after her and she calls 911. They take him to put him in the psych hole. Next day, after this happens, they call her and tell her, he's clear, you need to come get him. This man tried to kill me and our daughter. I have to come get him? You're out of your mind. That's when her mother told her. Her mother told her, go get him. I'm going to go down to the court office and get some papers filed. She did. She picked him up. Don't know the conversation, but she dropped him off at the airport. And she made him sign over his rights to their daughter. What you did, you will never be a part of her life after this. You're done. We are done. He died on that plane. He never came back. But it was real crazy how the hospital just said, yeah, come and get him. This man, this man tried to kill her and their child. You really think he's not going to try it again? Exactly. If, if, if he went back up in that house, I have a feeling all of them would have been dead. All of them. Yeah, all of them, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
Now this, this fool, mm-hmm, this fool just telling me about. I don't know his name. I don't want to know his name. I'm just gonna call him basically, basically the jerk. The jerk. <laughs> he's just out. This is this is and have the nerve to call. What would he ask you? What would he ask you when you were caught? Apologize. Oh, the baby this and the baby that. First of all, I'm not your baby. Yeah, the baby mm-hmm. this and the baby that. And I'm sorry. You know. And then when I when I went to court and I, you know, when I found out that he was on cocaine. That's what he was doing. Oh, that's why yeah. his mood would change. That's why he would act so crazy. Because I'm like, it got to be something because this wasn't him. But. The him that he was, I didn't like it at all because, like I said, he was just so mean and cruel and evil, and it was bad. It was really bad. You said that he would, it, it would just come out of nowhere, just these bursts out of nowhere. Like, like he would call you names. Yeah, I, I typical typical names, bitch, horse, what anything you could think of that's basically degrading. Yeah, so physical, the physical, the mental. Would he try to keep you from friends and family? He, that's a, yes, that's, that's the first thing he did. Try to keep me from friends and family, you know, try to make me think that then nobody else want me, only him. You sad, oh, you ugly. Oh. It got to the point where all my cute clothes, he put them in a, uh, in a tub and burnt them one day. When I came home, I was like, what is that burnt that I smell? He had put all my clothes in the bathtub, poured bleach on them, and burnt up all my clothes. And it got oh, to the point where he, oh, he would figure out what he would want me to wear to work. Mm-hmm. And basically, he, when I would get ugly clothes. But, yeah, old, like, old-looking kind of clothes. You know what I mean? Like, fully covered, you know, not showing any skin type of clothes. Oh. When I would get my paycheck, he would dictate what I was going to do with my money. He told me what, I, what he was going to do with the money, and I'm looking like, he don't have no job, so what he's talking about, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, and then he mm-hmm. had a young lady, and he had a young lady that he lied and told me was his cousin, come to find out it was a girl that he was sleeping with, he was trying to have her fans to my house, and uh, he was trying to make me do like a threesome with her, no sir, first of all, she is not gonna stay in my house, so because I told him, no, this girl is not gonna stay in my house, no, you're not going to make me do threesomes, foursomes, fivesomes, or none of that with nobody. He beat me really bad. I ended up getting my eye busted twice. So I had to have oh, 43 stitches God. going across one way and 26 stitches going the other way. Because, like, my bone in my face up by my, my left eyebrow, he crushed all the bones in my face. So I don't have bones in my oh. face right there no more. He broke my nose because uh, I told him, you know, that... She was not gonna stay in my house. I mean, I took her, I'm not gonna lie, I took a beating that day, but at the end result was well, she still didn't stay in my house. I don't care what you do, she's not gonna stay in my house. So, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Girl, so, um, no, 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 no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, sir, no, sir. Sounds like he wanted to be the next R. Kelly. Friggin' wanna be doing threesomes, fivesomes, and all that stuff. Nasty. Yeah. But, like, no. but, but you, you really must not know who you were dealing with. 
Did you ever Matt fight back? Matt didn't know. Oh. Mm -hmm. My goodness gracious. Okay. Yeah, so that's why it's just... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here, go on. No, I was just saying, that's why today I just, you know, I, I, I fight. I fight hard. And I, I just, I go hard for domestic violence awareness. And I, 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 you know, if I see or hear about somebody that's, um, that's, um, you know, going through it, I try to go get them. I, I'm not saying I don't try. I, it's like six or seven of us. We a team. We go get people. And we rescue people like all the time, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's why that's how Purple Pieces got started. You know, I just I don't want people to go through what I went through. You know what I mean? So I tried my best to get people out of toxic relationships, where to the point where we provide, you know, food, clothing, and shelter for people. A lot of times, like right now, everything that we do, the majority of the things that we do. It's coming out of our pocket. You know, it's okay because at the end of the day, I feel like it's worth it. You know, because we're saving people and getting people away from, you know, toxic relationships. So, mm -hmm. I fight hard. Yes, you do. Very hard. Now, tell me, when you started Purple Pieces, and then I'm going to come back to the jerk in a second. When you started Purple Pieces, like, how did you start it out? Did you rent a building, or did you assemble a team first of, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. I do not want another woman to go through what I have gone through. I want to create a safe place for women. How did it start out? Well, it started out, I was at this open mic uh, one day, and I had met this young lady. She, I had did my piece. It's called Purple. And it's about my testimony. So I had in my purple piece, and she came up to me afterwards and gave me a hug and said she really enjoyed my piece. But it was just the way, like the sadness that I saw in her face. And I asked her, I said, are you okay? And she said, mm-hmm. No, not really. I said, I can tell. I said, is, is something bothering you? So I gave her my phone number, and I told her to call me. So I ended up calling her the next day, and we talked on the phone and everything, and she, you know, was explaining to me that she was trying to get away from her husband that she had been with 15 years that was abusing her, and he just would not leave her alone, kept threatening her, and just bullying. That's another thing that they call itself doing. Uh, mm -hmm. So he was bullying mm -hmm. her and, you know, and, and threatening her. So I told her, I said, well, do you want to get away? She said, yeah. I said, well, hold on a second. So I called some of my friends that are survivors and we got together and within a matter of seconds we called her back and let her know that you know one of our friends had a, a, a building where he got apartments available and you know he could put her up for the night or as long as she needs to to get herself together and we all just worked together as a team and that's honestly how Purple Pieces was born. We all, I, call, I just made a few phone calls to my, to my girls and we all got together and, hey, made it happen. So we've been doing it ever since. Yeah. So the young lady, we was able to get, yeah, we was able to get her out of that situation. Matter of fact, I talked to her to this day. Uh, um, she's doing well. I'm so proud of her. She drives the ambulance now, and she has a real good job. I'm just really proud of her right now. So, yeah, so she's doing really well. 
amazing. And you also help men too. Tell me, how many male survivors have been, have you guys come across? We've only come across maybe three male survivors. Three. So we've only rescued three oh. men out of a situation. Uh, one of the guys was, you know, male-male relationship, and then the other two were with hey. women. The other two was with women. And it was just to the point where they knew these guys were good and know these guys would not hit them. So they was just, you know, hitting on them and stuff because they knew that these guys would not hit them back. That's what basically I gathered from both of, you know, the guys that we helped. So, and guys pretty much do exactly like girls, you know, like the women do, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to, they don't want to say nothing, but they don't want to say nothing for the reasons of because, you know, men are supposed to be macho and protectors and providers and stuff like that. So that's why the guys, you know, don't say nothing. But um, a lot of the guys, like, you know, wouldn't say nothing, so they would stay in these relationships, you know, just like, you know, we were, we do. And they stayed in these relationships, and they just wouldn't leave, you know, because... They've been brainwashed, basically. That's all it is. You've just been yeah. brainwashed. And so they, you know, they stay. They really stay. So. Yeah, they stay. Yeah. They feel like they can't do any better. And it's that idea they put in there. It's like, no one else will love you like I do. And mm-hmm. accepting, accepting that fate is going to lead you down a pretty bad road. Either death or it could be passed along to your children. And what's wrong with today's society is that we glorify toxic relationships nowadays. Like, but oh, a man don't love his woman enough if he don't hit her or degrade her, call her a bitch and call her all this stuff. Like, that's abuse. Like, and we're so consumed by it that we got, we got girls taking any kind of treatment, just lowering themselves and expecting how they are treated, even the men. Like, I, I've seen, I've seen men get slapped across the face for, for basically just staring at a wall, and female convinced, the female is convinced that he's staring at another woman. But has it ever occurred to you that he's not staring at another woman, that he's just thinking? How about you ask him? Ask him, what are you thinking? Instead of popping off the way that you do, ask him. Because that is considered abuse. Some people think it's cute that one woman slapped her from a man upside her head. Like, I used to at a time. Like, if, but I would do it for fun. I'm just like, stop. Just like, stop. But if it's to the point where I'm hurting him, he tells me, stop. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that. I was just joking around. But when a, somebody keeps doing that, it has to be corrected. Because when someone says no, it means no. And with the, yeah, and same thing with the guys. Like, you see how they treat, how some guys treat their women today. They treat them like they're dogs. Dogs talking to any kind of way. There's even a situation where a man, um, I think he, think he admitted to cheating on his woman. Like, yeah, I cheat on you. But I always come back to you. Right. That's abuse. That's abuse. That's that's freaking emotional abuse. 
I got you when you get home. When you get home, don't worry about it. I got you. So it would always be like something, you know, whenever I walked through the door, it was something. And when it would get to that point, you would just, you would just try to walk away from them and just not, not engage. And I would try to walk away from him, but he was just like really aggressive. Like one day he called me at work and I was like really happy on the phone and it was like, don't worry about it. When you get home, I got something for you. I got something for you. So I'm trying to say, oh, God, I'm not in the mood for this today. You know what I mean? I just, I was just on the train on my way home just praying, like, God, please, you know, just just make it better. You know, because I, I, I didn't know what was coming. So what mm-hmm. happened was I got, I got off the train and, um, uh, I saw him, but he didn't see me, so he came up the stairs, and he had, uh, was calling my name and took a gun out and shot it in the air, and people were scattering everywhere, like, literally, and I'm like, where is the damn police at when you need them, you know what I mean? Nowhere, no, exactly. nowhere around, like, where are they when you need them? We need them right now, so, um, what he yeah, had, what he ended up, uh, he, so he ended up seeing me and he drove me down the escalator and everything, beat me and hit me with the pistol. And then when we got home, because our house was like across the street from the train station, he just started beating me like really bad with the pistol. And every time I would try to get like, you know, hold my hands up to block my head, he would hit my hands and make me put my hands down, made me sit on my hands while he pistol whooped me one day. It was just... It was bad. This man, just, like I said, he just pistol with me every day, stabbed me, all types of stuff. Anything he can think of to do to me, he'll do it. Where were you stabbed? What was I, what, huh? Where were you stabbed? I was stabbed in my arms, in my back, in my legs. Stabbed over 23 times by him. Oh my goodness! And when you went back, to, when you went back to live with your mother, and you told her, what was her reaction? She felt bad, and she was angry because you know she wasn't down there with me, you know. So, but like I was yeah. explaining, I'm okay, mom. You know, I'm here now, so I'm okay. But she was just like feeling bad and stuff. That's all, because you know she wasn't there to help me. And it's like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the only girl, so it's like my mama's baby, you know, so. <laughs> so, yeah, so right. she, she, she felt bad. My bad. Oh. Mm. And when he came to Chicago to, um, to get you back and he saw her, what was her reaction? Like, was she buying the story that you made it up? You could tell she was, you could tell that she she knew better. You know what I mean? She knew better. She kind of sensed something was wrong, but, you know, she went along with it because I was trying mm-hmm. to, like, give her the gesture, like, you know, something ain't right. But she, 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 she kind of figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, man, I'm I would have figured that out by a mile away. 
to the point where he almost killed a woman, he should get 30 years. Point blank, period. I would have said, yeah. oh, I've seen, I've seen your record. I'm giving you the maximum. 30 years. Have fun. Clink, clink. Don't drop the soap. Check out part two, Chronicles of She.